Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. The virus that causes shingles is sleeping in 99% of people over 50. It's lying dormant, waiting, and it could reactivate at any time. And while not everyone at risk will develop shingles, it strikes as a painful, blistering rash that can last for weeks. Think you're not at risk for shingles? It's time to wake up because shingles could wake up in you. If you're over 50, talk to your doctor or pharmacist about shingles prevention. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. I want to talk about travel and uh, safety precautions and sort of your own personal insurance policy. I went to Costa Rica recently with my daughter for the most amazing bonding sort of self-healing spiritually connected trips. And it was just so great. And your kids really do feel that you feed into them. They feel when you're really giving them personal attention and where you're really with them. And it was incredible. Um, And what's interesting is that people that I know and that I'm friends with are shocked that we had such a good trip because we had uh, a really scary number of experiences. And that's why I sort of want to get into this as a discussion about safety precautions when traveling. Um, So first of all, I was surprised that Costa Rica is the safest COVID place I've seen. Everywhere required masks. They wanted us to wear masks outside in the restaurants. I mean, I guess their tourism is their entire lifeblood. And so they can't take any chances. But I thought it was really, it was almost over the top, but I appreciate it because 
they have to protect their, you know, investment and people and safety. And you're relying on them for that. But even in the airport, you couldn't walk into the airport without them seeing you put hand sanitizer on without a mask. I thought it was really remarkable. And the hotels are very safe. So we went to Costa and I was you, I, you never know what country is safe and what's not safe. It has been reported that it's not safe in Mexico right now. And a lot of times and a lot of stuff has been going on there. Um, and so, you know, my people around you were sort of like, is it safe there? Uh, and it did feel very safe. There's a, there are a lot of Americans there. Uh, but the first day we went on a boat trip and I guess they don't get the winds they're getting right now. It's very incredible right now. There are a lot of winds and there are crazy brush fires that are just massive and scary and near animals and all this stuff. So I guess that maybe every day it's like being in LA is 75 and sunny. You're not checking the water report. And we went on a boat and without getting too deep into detail, and I don't have good luck with boats, this boat we went on to go surfing, uh, the one beach was really calm and had no waves. And the driver and the sort of surf guy on the boat said, let's go to this other beach. And as we started going to that other beach, which took about 45 minutes to get to or 30, a long time, it was really, really bumpy, like really bumpy. And my daughter was a little scared and she was like, mama, I don't like it. Let's go back. And they said, well, the worst is over. We might as well just keep going. And either way on the way back, you're going to hit that, those currents. And so I said, well, the, there's a hotel right there. There's a Four Seasons right there and a beach club. Should we not have you drop us off and we could take a taxi back? And they said, no, you know, don't worry. It won't take that long. So we went and surf she surfed and it was great. And then we were on the way back and it, the shit hit the fan. It was insane. What the boat was taking on water, literally waves crashing onto the boat. I had bruises on my arms. She was crying. We were like banging around. We were bracing ourselves, deciding whether to like go with the motion of it. Meaning if you're too tight, you're going to then fall down instead of crash versus going with the motion of it like a race car or something, or should we like brace ourselves and hold? It was, it was terrifying. Okay. And I was freaking out and I, and the, the, the captain of the boat realized like they knew it, like obviously they knew it. They were soaked too. It was crazy. This is supposed to be just like a little cruising boat that comes from a hotel um, that we had, I found out later booked through the hotel, which is something I want to talk about. And we get off and like, literally it's the first day there. We thought we were just going to have a, a nice little ride. And it was traumatic. I don't have to get into the past experiences I've had on boats. I was, was in a, I was lost at sea for about 20 something hours. People thought I was lying in the media and, um, even the, the boat people and the entire crew confirmed Bravo confirmed that this did happen. Um, I just have had not great luck with boats in a couple of different scenarios on the housewives. We were in Columbia and there was a horrendous experience that happened on a boat. Um, this was scary. So and it was traumatic for Bryn. And I just felt like I wasn't, I didn't keep her safe. They didn't even have her in a life vest. Like it just, it was all moving so fast. And I was really, really, really nervous. Um, and we got off and I looked at them. I said, this is, cause we couldn't even talk while being on the boat. There was no discussing this. It was, it was literally treacherous waters. And we could have taken a taxi as I suggested. It was weird. It was almost like they didn't look at the weather. They didn't realize cause it's never this windy. Um, later on, the hotel manager told me he's never seen the conditions that windy. You could see the white caps from the hotel on the water, if that makes any sense, if, you know, the currents. So we get back. I get, I'm get. i getting off the boat. I look at the captains. I said, this is wildly unacceptable. That You know that wasn't okay. That was unsafe. I have an 11-year-old. I mean, we, I was freaking out. So I literally have dry mouth thinking about it. So we get back and I talk to somebody who's sort of the pool manager. And I said, no, I need a real hotel manager. I need somebody who's actually in charge. And this really nice guy, Sergio, came over to the pool 
and we discussed it. And he said, I have to tell you, I've, I've spoken to the captain. I've never seen water like this. It was unacceptable. We're so sorry you went through this. And he was really, really nice and just was connecting with me. And are you okay? And he said he was going to take over our activities for the rest of the trip and make sure that they were safe. And, and he, and he did, and it was great. But it really made me realize a lot of times people want sort of a more authentic experience. They don't want to go through the hotel because maybe the hotel is either on the take with a company or only suggesting a certain company that's their friends or whatever, whatever it is. You have to book activities through the hotel. And it also made me realize you really have to be staying at a hotel that's part of a greater group. This was the Andaz, which is part of the Hyatt Hotel Group, and that made me feel safer because it made me feel that somebody in a big corporation is going to be accountable. It goes from Hyatt, which is a big company, to Andaz, which is a company, to then the local Andaz in Costa Rica, which is sort of a miniature company. So you at least have someone to like Instagram and talk to, and there's some sort of, there's corporate. So while I love a cute little boutique hotel and that experience, I don't think I like that in a foreign country. I want there to be some chain of command and somebody who's going to be com uh, compatible. So when you're going away and you're booking activities, they need to be done through a real company that you understand has insurance, liability insurance, will take accountability. I mean, I felt like for a minute I was in that movie, like 50 meters or whatever it's called, like something meters down where it's like, I think it's like Mandy Moore or Jessica Alba, somebody in like a shark movie and, and the, the cage detaches. I felt freaked out. I felt irresponsible. I didn't feel good. And thank God it was booked through the hotel, which my assistants confirmed, but that freaked me out. It was booked through a credit card, which maybe gives you further liability coverage. You know, we just have to be more careful. My guest today is renowned journalist Katie Couric. She's reported for most major broadcasting networks, including ABC, CBS, and NBC. She's one of the best to ever do it. Katie is well known for her role as host of NBC's Today Show, an incredible pinnacle in her career. Beyond her on-screen persona, Katie has created her own media company titled Katie Couric Media and is an active participant in philanthropic efforts, including funding cancer research and creative outlets for youth. As a member of the Television Hall of Fame, Katie is an icon in the journalism space. Her journey as a businesswoman and television journalist is fascinating, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. Her book, Going There, is amazing. She's a wonderful, wonderful human being. Here we are talking about you, and... You know, I just, it just hit me because you know how life moves so quickly and we're all so busy. And I just said to myself, I'm talking to Katie Couric. Like we're friends and I know you, but you know, it wasn't so long ago that I was really broke and hustling. And like Katie Couric is so major and such a household name and visits us every day on television. And I can't believe I know you. And just to text you and say, would you give me a blurb for my book? And you're just like, sure. Like, yeah, I'm friends with Katie Couric. I just realized that right now. So I'm proud, um, you know, that I've met really interesting, smart, strong women in my life, in particular this month, thinking about that. So welcome. Well, thanks. And I, I feel the same way about you, Bethany. It's been really fun getting to know you and um, I so admire your moxie, which is a word I use in my book because that's sort of spirited determination and not saying, taking no for an answer. And, um, you know, I think there's so many great women doing incredible things out there. It's really exciting, especially as you say, this month for International Women's Month. So it is exciting. Us. 
And being fearless, because I don't think that your persona would initially be that she's fearless because you have that sort of sweet vibe to you. But when your book came out and there was a lot of press about it, I texted Katie. I was thinking about how what she must- You were so great, by the way. I was so appreciative of that call because it was such bullshit. And you, you, you knew it right away. And I love you for actually just picking up the phone and calling me. Uh, because I was sort of being besieged by, you know, just gross tabloid stuff or thirsty people. With trying, quotes coming out of your yeah, book out of context. Thirst, thirsty people trying to get attention, you know, and and it was really it was really actually pretty demoralizing. And you called and what did you say to me, Bethany? I said, fuck them. They're not paying your rent. <laughs> so. So that's what I said. Um, yeah, I said, don't keep going. You're the greatest. And But I knew that for a moment, when you have those moments, you're like, oh God, did I go too far? It feels very, you know, you feel like you have like raw skin and you've just put Tabasco sauce on it. You're like, oh no, I'm exposed. I'm vulnerable. How far did I go? I wrote it. It sounded like a good idea. You know, and with your book, it's been very successful, but you needed that minute to bridge that gap and be like, oh, okay, well, I okay. think, you know, I mean, it says a lot about modern media and how it operates, honestly. And you know this better than anyone is that, you know, it's it's engagement through enragement. They're looking for clickbait. They're looking for controversy. They're, they create it when there isn't any or they they exaggerate it when and and take it out of context and they meaning sort of the the media universe writ large because I used to think it was just like the trashy tabloid press that I don't really pay attention to but people do read so um, but then it, but we need them. Think about it. Your book is successful partially because mostly because it's excellent, but partially because of them. And all this money raised for all this relief work is the media. I mean, I can't do this myself without a, you know, I'm, I am, I'm a member of the media, you are the media, but I'm just saying the way that it operates now with trying to get clicks and trying to get engagement, Absolutely. you know, um, you know, it's just the, the same way news, you know, it sells newspapers, right? It, it, it gets clicks. So so I, I just think some some outlets are just really irresponsible about the way the the links they go to to get clicks. And I think I, I, I saw that firsthand and I really appreciate you calling because once people read the book and once people understood the tone of the book and yes, I am funny, the, they you know, once people saw how supportive of many, many people I was in the book, they're like, this book isn't at all like it was described. Um, right. So yeah, maybe it sold copies out of curiosity, but nobody wants to be so, um, you know, misconstrued and and incorrectly represented, misrepresented, really, you know? Yeah, that's that exactly. That was the word I was searching for, Bethany. That's a name for another <laughs> good book. Um, okay, so Katie, so I read the book, but I want to just talk about you. You can sit back, I'm going to drive, which is rare for you. So this is different because... Um, like Kelly uh, Ripa came on and she said, oh my God, she said it was the best interview because she said um, it felt like therapy, meaning we just were talking. I know you, but I don't really know you. And even in reading the book, I don't texturally know you. So I want to get into you um, growing up and how would you describe your means? Middle class? Yeah, like I you would felt say like you always- middle class. Um, middle class, I mean, very educated. Like my parents were super smart. They uh, inspired us to be aspirational, you know, to go to good colleges, to improve our lot. I think my mom grew up in a 
in a probably upper middle class household in Omaha, Nebraska. Her dad was a developer and architect. And um, my dad, while he was tr enormously intelligent, I don't think he ever reached the level of success financially he or my mom, you know, hoped for. And, uh, and so I think uh, I, I had such a wonderful family. Uh, my parents loved me unconditionally, but they also gave me enough rope to make mistakes. Um, I'm the youngest of four. My siblings were all impressive and high achieving. And um, I feel really, really lucky because the, the older I get, the more I realize, Bethany, that not everyone has that kind of upbringing. And, you know, we're all like a little piece of Play-Doh when we come out and our family, the, the way you can shape uh, a person uh, through their family relationships and your parenting style and, um, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, a giving person, whether you're emotionally available and, and all the, the ways that you were raised then translate off into your kids or you go the totally opposite way. I mean, you have such Absolutely. an interesting childhood too, I know. And, um, you know, didn't enjoy kind of that unconditional love that I had. I mean, and, and so I feel just super fortunate that that um, I grew up where I did with the parents I had. It gives you a foundation, a different sort of security to walk into the world that you have sort of a team that's rooting for you, that's there for you. It's different. And yeah, the moxie you describe about me or what I commented when people were bothering you, that's also a part of what, that I grew up the opposite way and had to figure out how to break the chain with my daughter. But you and I are both strong personalities, both successful. So while you grew up with that earnest background, now combine that with being a woman who has to fight in a man's world to, you know, to be who you are. Um, I, I presume there were many times that it was all about you and you're trying to raise young daughters and you know they may not even like attention. They may have different feelings about it. So how does that whole mixed bag, you know, how does that whole, how does that flush out with your parenting style and mistakes that you've made or things that you've really done well combining that whole recipe? Well, you know, it's hard. It's interesting because my daughters were raised in a very different environment. I mean, we had a, I grew up in a house on 40th Street that was, you know, quite modest and, you know, sort of almost a leave it to beaver upbringing. We'd play baseball on the street with the tennis ball. We'd ride our bikes, you know. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Now and Then, but it's a fun one to, to watch with your daughter. I mean, that was pretty much my childhood. You know, we had a banana seat bike. We'd go, you know, say, bye, mom and dad, we'll be back. And, you know, Mr. McMullen would whistle when Janie needed to come in for dinner. And my dad would yell, Katie, you know, on the front steps. I mean, it was sort of real, really idyllic in a way. And, you know, and we never took vacations. You know, we didn't, didn't belong to a country club. I think we went on, you know, a couple of vacations uh, that I can remember growing up. Um, but I never wanted for anything. You know, I, 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 you know, sometimes I was like, oh, I want to go to the country club, you know, Washington Golf and Country Club where the quote unquote rich kids went. But I'd go as a guest sometimes. And, mm -hmm. but my daughters had, you know, grew up with such, privilege you know mm -hmm. they they came into the world and were brought home to an apartment on park avenue their you know parents were affluent jay was a successful attorney i was just you know starting on the today show making more money than i ever believed 
was humanly possible. My parents and I used to laugh about it. Like, what? You know, it's still to this day, Bethany, feels like monopoly money to me. I'm just like, I can't even conceive it. All I know is that having money gives you one less thing to worry about. And I feel so grateful for that in this crazy world we live in. But my daughters, you know, I try to to keep them grounded and, you know, love them and 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 then of course when Jay died I became a single mom when they were 6 and 2. So it was just I mean you could not have found a more diametrically opposed upbringing for my kids than I had growing up in Arlington, Virginia. Right, and I talked to Mark Cuban about this. He's not going to tell them to take the train while he's getting on a, you know, a G650 private plane. And I assume if you're going to Aspen, Colorado, you're not telling your kids to sit in coach. So, and it happens to me. I was taking my daughter today uh, to buy to buy something for school, and I bought like a couple of sundresses. And I always, sometimes I'm with Bryn, and I feel guilty. Because I'll buy her something, but I don't want to be buying her everything, you know, because I've worked for all these years. And if I need to get something, I want to get it. But that doesn't mean that every single thing that she says she wants. So, you know, and she never, I have a child who never asks for anything. So, for example, we were today and there was this pair of pajamas. And I don't even think she looked at the price. And they were, you know, pricey, for, especially for a kid, pajamas. They were so soft and she liked them. And I bought a couple of things. So I bought her one pair of pajamas. But it wasn't like just because I was getting all these different things that she was. Um, and that's challenging, meaning you want to just give them everything because you have a beautiful, sweet daughter. But I also am aware that she hasn't come with me yet to Puerto Rico to see people up to their ankles in sewage or to Poland to go see these refugees. So it's a struggle because you're making a recipe and once you put it in the oven and it comes out, it's done for the most part. So you're trying to, you know, mold them, like you said, like putty, but it's different than your your upbringing, which was idyllic, you said. Right, but I think I always tried to hand down the same values that my parents handed down to me. Um, you know, I remember when I write about this when Ellie wanted a baby G watch, you know, and she was like in second or third grade. Uh, these are way before Bren's time, but they became very, right. very, very hot. And they were like $100. And I was like, there's no way I'm buying you a baby G watch, Ellie. That's gross. You know, you're a kid. Or when Carrie once uh, called me and she was with a friend's mom, and she said, "Hi, I'm I'm at the I'm at La Perla, and um, you know, so and so is buying a, a like a bra. She was probably in seventh grade. Can I can I get one too? She, you know, her at mom, La Perla. Her mom said she was going to buy. It. I said, absolutely no. I didn't say <laughs> go that. to Old Navy, but I said absolutely no, 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 Carrie. I don't even buy my underwear at La Perla. Absolutely Neither not. <laughs> You're insane. So you know there were times, and I, you know, and we we uh, volunteered at the Harlem Village Academies and mentored kids, and we went to the Bowery Mission, and I tried to make sure my kids were exposed to all kinds of people because we were so so fortunate. I was a very conscious of the fact that they had this life of privilege. And I made a very concerted effort to emphasize uh, service, how lucky they were, and and also for them to value things. You know, money is such an interesting thing and we all have such a weird psychological relationship with money. But I do think my daughters understand and appreciate the value of things and are keenly aware they are a very privileged uh you know, two girls and, you know, got to go to college and I was able to pay for their college and, you know, and, and so 
And they're grateful. They get it. Oh, even in this, yeah. They do. They're very grateful. I have to say, my kids are very grounded. Um, I was super careful about making sure that we had, you know, our family and our home was what it was. And, you know, it, it, it's, I, I, my friends didn't change because I suddenly became a public figure. You know, I, I have friends that I've had since, um, you know, high school and college. And of course I've made new great friends and I'm grateful for that, but I don't know. I've always, I'm pretty grounded myself. And so I think, you know, kids, kids, people say, well, how do you, how are you a good parent? Cause my parents raised four, I think pretty, pretty, you know, nice human beings. And I say, you be a good parent by being a good person. You know, they watch you. They watch everything you do. They watch how you interact with people. They watch how you treat others. They watch how you spend your time, what you care about. If you're committed to certain issues. I remember when Ellie said to me in in, in the kitchen, and I, I this is in my book too, so sorry I keep referring to it, but it's also fresh. She's nine years old and she said, Mom, I'm so proud of the work you're doing with colon cancer. You know, kids, wow. it registers. And mm-hmm. and I think I think that's the best secret of parenting. You be a, if you want to be a good parent, be a good person. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. What about being competitive, like in work? I mean, how hardcore your business, Not now you're doing it your way, the way you want to do it. It feels like you've totally crafted it and curated it the way you want to do it, which I do want to get into that you still care so much and it's important to you and you really are still very driven. Um, and I often want to get off the ride and I don't feel like you've seemed like you've ever wanted to get off the ride, but to get to where you got to, how much did you have to sacrifice? How insanely competitive was it? Or did you get on the road and you just kept sort of one foot in front of the other and you just landed in the right place and you just gave it your all? Like how crazy was it? I the think ride? probably, probably it's the latter is the more descriptive of sort of my, my rise. I, I was lucky, you know, it's not supposed to be uh, appropriate for women to talk about being lucky, but luck plays in a role, uh, plays a huge role in anyone's success, timing, luck, and it has to be backed up by intelligence, you know, a a really strong work ethic, um, a certain skill set that will make you do well in the profession of your choice. But, you know, I really loved what I did. And every job I had, I really enjoyed. I worked, you know, in, at CNN before it even went on the air. I worked at ABC before that as a grunt making coffee and delivering newspapers. Now, I didn't love that because I thought, oh, shoot, shoot, I went to college and I'm, I'm making coffee and answering phones and, you know, all why am I doing this? But other than that, you know, working at CNN, working in local news in Miami and um, and and moving to Atlanta and moving back to DC and every job, I just loved it. I loved, I loved the adrenaline rush of news. I loved like heading out in a live truck and you know surveying the scene and finding people to talk to and you mm-hmm. know that that pressure and stress of working under yes. a deadline and um, you know how do I make it really good? I love to write. You know, I love to talk to people. I picked a profession that was so well suited to who I am and my personality. You know, I'm curious. I always, I'm, you know, this, I, you know, I'd much rather be asking you questions, even though this is really fun for me. But I, I, you know, I automatically want to say, Bethany, your skin looks so pretty. What are you using? <laughs> but a lot but of all makeup. kinds of other <laughs> things or talk to you about right. Be Strong and what you're doing in Ukraine. And, you know, um, I just... I, so I just worked very, very hard 
and I and I loved what I was doing. And I had a lot of, you know, jerks along the way who tried to throw up barricades, you know, like jerky guys on the desk in Miami who just kind of liked to to screw with me and try to not give me good assignments or for whatever weird power trip reasons or, you know, the vice president of CNN saying in front of a bunch of executives, I was successful because of my breast size or, you know, just people who, if they didn't slam the door, they didn't open it. You know, they never really said, oh, I see something in her. I'm going to help her. I'm going to nurture her. Although I did have these mentors at CNN in Atlanta who, who just gave me a shot, who gave me an opportunity and worked with me and gave me feedback. And that's all you really need. You need like one person who says, hey, I'm going to give you a shot. And so I had that. Well, wait, but many things you said just meant that like, Many other people with those comments might have walked away. Sounds like you were a silent assassin. You were still, you were, you know, you were putting one foot in front of the other, but you were working your ass off. And it doesn't seem like it was for the end game. In the moment, you just like what you did. If it's were, if you were doing it, you were fully doing it. You didn't care about lunch break or hours. You were just fully invested, fully committed. I took a lot of personal pride in my work, you know, and it was, I, I enjoyed it. I wanted to do it well. I was very competitive with myself. Yes, if there were other reporters on the scene, I wanted to make sure I got the big interview or the big or the soundbite that was going to set my piece apart. Um, you know, I, I've always been extremely competitive ever since I was a little kid. You know, I would do the pres- president's council on physical fitness, and I would like put Ben Gay on my legs and cut my hair so I would be the fastest runner in fourth grade. Like I was really fast runner until I got boobs, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then everything sadly slowed down. But um, you know, I just not according to the guy from CNN. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a different kind of race. But, you know, it, I, I think I just, um, you know, was able to be persistent. And I had enough self-confidence, which I think came from loving parents mm-hmm. uh, that helped me have a sense of myself to, you know, run for president of my elementary school, you know, and things like that, where my dad would help me with my speech and my mom would help with our campaign posters. Like we all ran for office when we were in elementary <laughs> school, which is so funny, but that taught me how to be a good public speaker, how to have poise and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, so all those things I think contributed to it. So when when the opportunity, and, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time when it came to big success, when it came to the Today Show, um, you know, through no fault of her own, Deborah Norville, who, you know, the tabloid said I trashed in the book, which I did, who I didn't at all. I said she was almost too perfect for the morning show audience that was kind of getting mm-hmm. out of bed with bed head and putting their pantyhose on. Remember pantyhose? And, right. uh, and uh, but but because she was sort of rejected largely because of the way she replaced Jane Pauley. People felt very loyal to Jane. Um I just happened to be kind of like, oh, well, how about this one, right? She's covering the Pentagon. She's got credibility. She's got some news chops. Let's 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 try her. And I think for whatever reason, the audience responded and then I was on my way. So it was a whole Yay. confluence of things, right? Right. But what how were you married already when you got that gig? I was just married and pregnant. And I remember I said to Michael Gartner, uh, I'm pregnant. And he said, well, you have lousy timing. It turned out the timing couldn't have been better because 
I think uh, nothing a morning show audience likes more than to feel like they're the godmother of, you know, the baby that's going to be birthed, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, by the anchor of that show or by anyone on that show. So it automatically, um, I think, endeared me more to the audience in a funny way. And I was so worried. I said to Jay, I can't believe it. I'm fucking pregnant. And he was like, I guess that means you're not going to be knitting knitting baby booty booties anytime soon or something he was thrilled and ultimately oh my god I can't imagine like I you know Ellie and Carrie are like my best friends in the world and you know I think Bethany I probably would have put it off in debt you know so long having a kid because I my career was taking off so the idea that I got pregnant you know surprised pregnancy not once but twice is such a gift and and you know that's when I think God works in mysterious ways because you know Carrie was just one when Jay was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and Ellie was five wow. and I just I feel oh, wow. so grateful and you know I probably I I wish I had had even more children I wish I had had probably a child between Ellie and Carrie, but you know, it, I was so busy professionally, I, I, I didn't, but I feel grateful, grateful every day that that I had them and I got I got knocked up. That's amazing. It sounds a little different than when I was launching a liquor brand and got pregnant and had to go to liquor signings and be in liquor stores seven <laughs> months pregnant signing bottles. That feels a little different. As they say, not a good look. Yeah, it wasn't the best look, but here we go. I'm launching liquor while pregnant. Not the best combination. Well, um, but what about your husband while you launch into stratospheric success that had to put pressure? You are now America's darling. You are a powerhouse success story. And that is not easy for men. I think that about, I wonder about that your relation, I wonder about that in your relationship now too. But I just want to talk to you about your your feelings about that dynamic is there overcompensation making the other person feel really valued because it is a lot it's a lot of you which i i get obviously. yes yes well you know i think it's really interesting because back in 1991 um it was it put a lot of pressure on our marriage because think about it it was really an anomaly for a woman to be the breadwinner back in 1991 mm-hmm. the whole dynamic of of women in the workforce was really almost in its nascent stage there were and 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 we were we weren't seeing that that often right the the husband was usually the primary breadwinner and suddenly you know jay and i met he was a a associate at a really high-powered law firm in washington dc i was a local news reporter you know it was a great thing and then suddenly Mm -hmm. i'm like making money that we never imagined in a million years. You know, we didn't think we'd ever be able to afford a house in Washington. Um, and and so I think Jay really, uh, really loved my success and was so supportive. Um, he moved to New York um, where, while his law practice was in D.C. But I think... And that's of, the first sacrifice. Yeah. You, you know what some I mean? Of the, some of the pressure is... You know, uh, people gravitate to well-known people. They're like a white light. And it can be very uh, destabilizing for a couple 
when it's sort of like, hi, you know, they're talking, talking, oh, I want you to meet my husband. And they're mm-hmm. like, hi. And then they turn back right to mm-hmm. you. And it's, it's you know, demoralizing. It, 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 well, it's just kind of, you know, it's tough on anybody's ego. I would feel that way if I was the wife of a well-known person. You know, um, I bet a lot of wives feel that way. Like, hey, in fact, uh, you know, I was at a big International Women's Day th- event that Time Magazine gave and someone said, they, you know, they put on my card, Flea's wife. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm a person in my own right. <laughs> she was so angry and justifiably so because she's an incredible woman. And, right. you know, and so so I think it just does when when somebody is well known, it it does put pressure on the relationship. And, um, you know, it's hard. I mean, just to turn the tables for a second. I don't think it's only second. well known. Well, a woman has a power job and then the guy has to move across the country for them and she's got to go. This is her, this is her moment, meaning it's happening when, and when the tables are hot, you press your bets. And so it's not always easy for the other person because you know, you're taking a toll on your relationship. It's happened to me. It happens to me, but you're, you're in rare air and it's important to you as a woman and as a businesswoman. So anyway, you said flip the tables. This is, I want you to get your thought out. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I just, no, 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 that's, that, that's true. And, uh, you know, I think there should be more, um, honestly, counseling for people who are who are struggling with these issues because they're real, um, they're they're hard to talk about, um, and and they can be very damaging to a relationship. And I think, um, you know, I remember Jay saying someday I'd I'd like to maybe run for office in Virginia, and I remember thinking, well, yeah, and if that happens, I'm going to have to make I'll. I'll make sacrifices for you. Would I have, would that have really happened? You know, who knows, but, um, you know, it's, it's very, very tricky and people are kind of gross too, in terms of how they interface with famous people. They don't mean to be, but I know, you know, I was always so grateful when someone took a genuine interest in, in Jay and, um, you know, and didn't just sort of give a cursory hello and then turn back Mm -hmm. to me. He was much smarter and more interesting than I was, but because I was on TV, I was deemed, you know, more worthy of their their attention, and that always really bugged the shit out of me. And you know, fast forward, um, John is is I mean, we're in a different place. John is very successful in his own right, as Jay was, and Jay would have been even more successful had he had lived and. Um, but sometimes it bugs him. Sometimes it bugs him. He's like, Kurt, come on, come up with an exit question. Because if someone comes up to me, I'm still that, you know, seven-year-old people pleaser. I want to make sure they like me. I want to make sure they tell their friends I'm nice. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, and so sometimes I'll end up having like a four-minute conversation with people as we're going to a restaurant to be seated. And he'll be like, that's rude. You know, that's rude. You know, come up with the exit question. Say, it's nice to meet you. And he gets impatient sometimes. And I don't blame him. But it's it's really this hard, you know, you're just navigating. You want... You've been trained for this. You literally are... Tra- I've been around with... I've been with Hoda. Same story. She said that Ann Curry told her, 
it's one person at a time. This whole success is one person at a time and every person you talk to. And Hoda has that same training. It's like a person who's gone to the military and they're going to do the hospital corners on their bed. You just do it. I've been with her. Like so gracious, so nice to every single person. That's tiring. That has to take a toll on you. It is tiring, but it's also, I mean, it's luckily for me, it comes pretty naturally because I actually do love talking to people and meeting new people and hearing their stories. Like as I was saying earlier, but, um, you know, it is, it is, it is time consuming and exhausting. And, but also, you know, I always think it's flattering, you know, that mm-hmm. you mean something to someone or they yes. admire you, respect you, maybe they are emulating you in some aspect of your life. And so I'm very grateful for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're high class problems after all. But, but, you know, I remember Rosie O'Donnell used to not this was back when people would ask for autographs, which nobody asked for anymore, except for Mm -hmm. those weirdos who are waiting outside. (laughs) (laughs) With the signed pictures of you from 1980. I'm like, what do they do with those? Do they sell them on eBay? Is that the deal? I'm like, (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, um, so, so I remember Rosie had a policy where like, I, I think there was a certain age cutoff and like I, on one hand, I really admire her because she didn't care, but she would just tell people no, or, uh, and, and I, I would think they're going to go back and they're going to tell all their friends that Rosie O'Donnell, you think she's nice on TV. She was not nice or, you know, and, and why do I care so much? Why do I care what they go back and tell their friends? Well, it's because I want them to like me because I have that sickness. I don't think it's only that, though. I think you care about them. You know that they're part of this whole ride. And, you know, I, I remember, it's funny that you just said that. So I was at a sports game or something, some sports event, and I went into the bathroom. You know, you're in those circular, like, Did things. Did someone knock find, on the stall? They came in the bathroom. And can we get it? And I was, like, just dying to go pee. And I said, can I just, you know, and then I went in and I came back and they weren't there. And I walked out of the bathroom to like look to see if they were there. It's happened to me in airports too. Or in one moment I'm with my daughter and she's hanging on my arm and I'm going to miss the gate or something's happening. And it really isn't the best time. And I then think about it for like an hour. Like I think about like that person walked away and it would have been there. They would have made their whole day and I had to pee. And you know, it's like you, you just obsess I obsess over things like that so I do get it I I do too you know I I sometimes would say to people if they came up and said you look just like Katie Kirk and I'd say like I know everybody tells me that and then, then I would guilty. feel so guilty I would run yes. run run after yes. them and say actually Same. I am I am her and um, <laughs> but it's also listen it feeds into your narcissism let's be honest I mean you have to psychoanalyze this uh mm-hmm. you get kind of used to the adulation and um, you know, it's, it's, there, there's a narcissistic aspect of this that, that, um, probably, you know, it's not altruism to make someone's day. It's also, you know, people get off on the fact that someone's coming up to them and saying how wonderful they are. Mother's Day is May 12th and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and 
Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Well, what about um, relevance and age? So you started, you know, a little fawn. So <laughs> what do you think now about your, your security as it, as it pertains to getting older? And are you relevant? And a lot of these young kids don't even remember when you were on TV. They don't know who you are. Like, do you care? Do you think about that? Do you try to be younger? Are you trying to keep up with the kids these days? What do you think about all that? I'm pretty accepting of it. You know, I think there's you know, uh, to everything, there is a season, as they say in the Bible and the birds sang. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I still love doing what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm really proud of this generation of female journalists who are kicking ass and doing a great job, especially the hard news folks that I really mm-hmm. admire who are you know, going to war zones from Lindsay Dario to Clarissa Ward to all these incredible women, Sabrina from The Daily. And, um, you know, so I'm really, I'm really proud of all of them. And I think about it and it's exhausting work, you know, to be, I covered Iraq. I went to Afghanistan, um, you know, obviously 9-11. And I'm not saying I couldn't do it, but, you know, would I want to be sleeping 
on a cot in Ukraine, scared mm-hmm. to death and, you know, getting very little sleep and being on TV and then being judged for the way you look on TV all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'd really be up for that. Um, and the scrutiny is different these days. And I think about that with Anderson. I watch him. I'm thinking he has a ba- at least a baby. I think he might have two babies at home. Yeah. Like, or maybe it's just a baby. No, he has Anderson two. Has, he has two. Oh, okay, so he's there and he has children. And you're just thinking how exhausted he must be and how dirty he must feel. But it's so important. Oh, and like, it's so important. F- and they're doing such incredible work. But I also Amazing. think about, like, you know, if I covered a war when my kids were little, especially as a single mom, I think one time I said, I, I really don't want to cover a war. I have two children. I don't want them to right. be orphans. And I have right. to be I have to be responsible and I got criticized but in some corners for saying that. But, you know, if I had gone, I would have gotten criticized by the audience for leaving my children. And so I get it. you know, especially I think women, um, it's interesting that you point it out Anderson. I thought about that too. I thought about, you know, all the the parents who are covering that. But I think with women, and of course, as a single mother, I had extraordinary pressure on me in terms of every move I made and what should I be doing. And then after Jay died, who should I be dating? And, you know, having people follow me around with cameras, that was so creepy. But to get to your to your point, I mean, listen, uh, those were some of the best days of my professional life. I loved every minute of it. Do I do I miss it sometimes? I mean, during COVID, there was very little. And in a way, I was reporting the news like everybody else was on Zooms and, you know, having longer conversations than I could ever have on the Today Show where, you know, the, the interviews are like three or four minutes. And I love kind of using my intellect to help people contextualize stories and give them a deeper perspective and understanding. And, you know, I, and the grass is always greener, you know, I'm, 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 well, sometimes I miss like the daily cadence of television. I always think there's so much I'm doing that those people wish they could be doing. I'm developing documentaries. I've got scripted series. I've got a team of of you know 35 people who we've employed to to do the news in a thoroughly modern way. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'm riding on the back of a dinosaur, which I think I felt like in my later days in television news that this just isn't the way people are consuming news and information. So, um, you know, I I I I feel really happy where I am and um in terms of getting older, I that is hard. That is hard. You know, I just turned 65 in January. I'm like, how did that happen? I Mm -hmm. look at my face and I'm like, oh, God, um, this is why God makes you not see very well as you get older. Because sometimes I look in the mirror, I'm like, I look good. And then I put my glasses on. and I'm like, holy shit. Oh, no. What about when they say you look great, by the way. But what about when they send you on the pictures for a magazine and they're like, these haven't been photoshopped yet. I'm like, no shit. Who could tell? You, you know, that was a day you felt fresh as a daisy. You slept 92 hours. You had 15 pounds of makeup. You had your hair done. You had a pit crew. And you still look like shit. <laughs> like, that's not the best. And it's so you know? funny. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm grateful. And I think because I've had so much loss in my life, Jay at 42, my sister Emily at 54, I feel lucky for every day I wake up and you know, my biggest problem is I feel a little creaky getting out of bed, you know, Mm -hmm. or I've gotten a little softer around the middle. I just, 
you know, we're, we're so lucky. We're all terminal and, and every day you have is a gift. So, you know, but, but do I long for the days when, when I, I just kind of, I, I, I was thinking about that. Like when I just got out of bed and I'd still look pretty good or my, you know, and my skin looked good Fresh. and, and yeah. And, you know, um, it, it happens to everything, everyone, gravity, mm-hmm. you know, has its effect. I was telling somebody the other day, Patri- I interviewed Patricia Heaton for my talk show, mm-hmm. which is my, which I renamed my stupid talk show, even though I had a great team that, that, that format just was not made for me. And, um, and I interviewed Patricia Heaton and she said, I said something like, how are you doing? She said, great. She said, I don't know, we were talking about getting older or something. She says, my vagina looks like one of those suede coin fat, coin purses, <laughs> those suede drawstring coin purses. And, you know, they were kind of yellow, remember? Yeah. And they were kind yeah, of like sa- a mustard color, saggy. Color. And, and, and now I can never unsee that. She kills me. <laughs> That's really funny. Right. Um, well, you know, you've had an incredible run and you're still go your tables are still going hot. Do you are you riskier? Do you worry about cancellation? Do you think about that? Oh you yeah. Guarded? Oh my god. Yes, of course. I mean I mean I've I, I I've thought a lot about this and I'm very interested in the topic and sort of the impact it's having on all of us. You know, I think I, I'm so supportive of so many of these social movements that have taken place, uh, reckoning with systemic racism and how the tentacles of that has affected so many aspects of our society, obviously gender parity and uh, pay equity and all those things. And, and also a much deeper understanding and appreciation and acceptance of people who are different. You know, I mean, I was talking to someone earlier today and she was saying this soccer player and her wife. And I was thinking, gosh, when we grew up, Mm -hmm. we would, I mean, we would no more say that in a public forum. You know, we thought our health teachers might be, you know, they, they were roommates. What did that mean? I didn't even, I was so naive. I didn't even, I didn't know a gay person. I, and I went to school in Long Island, New York. I didn't know, like they were, they weren't gay. They were just, they were just different. Right. They dressed different. They talk. They weren't gay. They were just alternative and into like you know, boy George. It's crazy. I I I know. I mean, it's just so so different, and that's one of the it's reasons beautiful. I really yeah I agree, and I really liked writing my book because as 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 upsetting and depressed as we get about the state of the world, and there are plenty of reasons to feel that way. When you look back at the progress we've made um, mm-hmm. over the last three or four decades, it's been really quite quite stunning. But, and I think sometimes with, with social movements, the pendulum swings, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes a bit too, too far. Uh, and there is collateral damage sort of in its wake. But I, I do think that we have to be in a place where we can have conversations because how do you learn? How do you grow if you can't have conversations and that, that we give people, you know, we're generous with them when they make mistakes or we explain why we were offended. I mean, I write about that too when I ask that really stupid question of the transgender guest on my talk show about her private parts, which was an incredibly offensive question. And I remember my producers saying, do you want us to take this out? I said, no, because 
Laverne Cox later came on and told me why anatomy has nothing to do with identity. And I said, I'm a pretty educated, fairly sophisticated person. If I'm having, you know, if like, I don't get yes. it. There are a lot of right. other people that don't get it. Keep it in so we can, can, can provide a teachable moment. Oh, I had a whole thing with on this show about um, because I was talking about parents that had an issue with um, someone in a in a camp bunk, and I was called transphobic everywhere. And the truth is, it's okay to get an educate, like it's okay to have a conversation. And I didn't express a personal opinion about. It. I didn't even understand. And um, what's happened? So, for example, I had Adam Carolla on the show the other day. I don't know that much about him. I know he's successful in this space. Yeah, I've had many Republicans. I've had Democrats. I take money from both in in relief. And he said some things that will definitely prove to be very provocative and controversial. But even if it's not that you think someone said something that's even quote unquote wrong, or even if they they don't think they said something wrong, and they won't, even if you tell them that they did. It's people have to listen to other people's opinions. It's why people were secretly voting in the election because someone just says, someone said to me on my show uh, during the election, oh, well, please. I mean, I worked at ABC News for this many years, so blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, does that mean you get two votes instead of one? If you work at ABC News, you get two, or you still you still get one vote. So everybody has to have a conversation and hear what other people are thinking, even if you totally don't agree with it. I agree. But everyone's gotten into this curse each other out mode. You're canceled. You're... Something you said, to, if, if, if these famous celebrities 10 years ago could be in blackface and doing things that they're not allowed to do now and not, get, you know, so that means that they didn't know. They didn't do it because they knew. So now they know, but they're going to get canceled now. You know, people have to be a little bit forgiving and, and be able to be get educated and learn the language that you don't know. And if you spent all day learning everything you're supposed to know that you'd get in trouble for, you would never be, you wouldn't be out of the house. There's too much to learn. Like, it's every day. You have to make a mistake to learn. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I definitely think that just shutting people down and seeing mm-hmm. things in total black and white and not kind of giving them the space to learn mm-hmm. is is really damaging to progress and moving things forward. And... um you know, I think about this a lot. Is the shame element, you know, just part of the the price that a society pays for 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 moving the goalpost and for making social progress? But it seems to me it's just it's just not a great way to encourage civil discourse and 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 appreciate that people evolve and learn and by the way make mistakes. Like all these people, I think that. That this idea that everyone's perfect, they've never said anything that is inappropriate or thought anything because they are all products of, you know, cultural conditioning and their circumstances and the environment in which they were raised. Um, it's just it, this, the, you know, the whole glass houses thing of it too. And well, because I, I did a whole thing on what is the cancellation policy? I'd like to know because then I'll know. And I want to know the can't just tell me the cancellation policy, okay? So I think that people who do paint themselves to be perfect and who are very arrogant and who have two separate lives, maybe their public persona is very different than who they really are. I think when I think they get jammed up and then that's those are the ones the public really wants to pull down. When people show their perfect relationship, their perfect honeymoon, their perfect jewelry, the thing, the love, we're perfect, we love each other, everybody's goo goo gaga. Then when they've like shoved it down Hypocrites. our throats and then and then they break up, 
but they want their privacy. Well, we bought into this whole ride. We took the ride up. We're taking the ride down. So you got to pick, you know, you got to decide how to live your life privately and publicly. And I think that does affect the, um, the latitude, I think is that the word that people will give you to make a mistake, I think. There's also a lot of schadenfreude in, in sort of seeing how these things play out because I think a lot of people who are kind of on their way up where there's a lot of professional jealousy and competition that um, you know people are looking for a chink in the armor. And when it happens, it's like a swarm of bees. The social media mob can just kind of descend and pick this person apart. I'm mixing metaphors because I'm kind of right. using like animals and bees, but you know what I, you know yes. what I mean. So carcass, I, yes, the carcass. Yeah. So I think, I think there's something primal about yes, you know, and 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 I try to be a really compassionate person. And there's a side of me when somebody's being taken down, I think, oh, oh, and then I kind of have to stop myself, you know, because there, there's you. this kind of thing that people think, oh, that person's too big for his britches and, you know, he deserved being taken down to size. You know, in Australia, they have a whole term for it called tall poppy syndrome. You know, you build people up just to cut them down. There's something really weird and vicarious about kind of uh, people investing themselves and their attention and their emotions to somebody in that way. And then when they are successful, start mistrusting them or thinking, well, maybe, maybe they now think they're all that in a bag of chips, right? I know it's fascinating. No, I get it too, but I call it the wolves at the end of the bed. When too many good things are happening, like, and too many, I don't like when too many good things are being written. I get, it gives me a little bit of anxiety because I feel like you can't drink your own Kool-Aid and the wolves are at the end of the bed. Nothing, even trees don't grow to the sky. So you got to check yourself and just be like, all right, let's take we could be focused over there now. Let's take a minute of not me because I, you know, you got to be stay humble in that way. I right. think it gets definitely, a little, definitely. you know, and did, so with the, and I don't know if, with the Matt Lauer thing, did you feel like you, your personal opinion about it, everyone was like putting focus on you and what you thought about it. And like, cause you were like, you know, Raggedy Ann and Andy, like you were, you know, hand in hand in, in, in the world. And did you, feel like you had to cower and hide just because you didn't want everyone to know exactly what your opinion was because you also did have a professional relationship with him. How did that affect you? Well, I think it's really fascinating that that in these cases where men are doing some of these things, why suddenly is it on the woman to either explain it or react to it, right? Um, you know, I, I always found that kind of perplexing. But, um, you know, I think... I think I felt, um, yes, I think there were a lot of eyes on me. Oh, she had to know. They said that about everyone who worked with Matt. Um, and, and, and of course, I didn't know about his behavior and about some of the things that came out. By the way, um, you know, 10 years after I left the Today Show, but some of it was going on when I was there. And I think that, you know, all people, I think, also don't appreciate and realize that it was a different time. Now, this is separate from me not knowing what Matt was up to because he was extremely discreet about his behavior. Um, but, 
you know, when when I was at NBC, and I think the net, all the networks were kind of like this, it was sort of like a free-for-all. People were hooking up, doing stuff. It wasn't my thing because mm-hmm. I'm really weird about marriage and being faithful, and I had two little kids, and I love my husband, and it's just not my jam. <laughs> right. But there was a lot of that going on, a lot of affairs with people in high positions, um, and, and so I talked to a woman at Stanford, Marianne Cooper, and she said, you know, these permissive advi- environments that existed where there was so much inner office, mm-hmm. hanky-panky, really opens the door for more serious transgressions. And, um, you know, I, I... Different culture. It was yeah. A different, it was, it a, was cultural... a different culture. And I'm glad, I'm glad the culture has changed because, it, you know, it wasn't cool. Um, I think, I think there's, it's really uncomfortable when people know that someone is sleeping with the boss and so they become a proxy of that person. So Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to worry about making the boss like you. Now you have to worry about making that person like you. And such a good point. I never really think about that. That's an interesting, that's an interesting point. I will say for people saying that you knew, I did the Today Show a long time ago for some health uh, food thing. And I've been on with Matt a million times. I mean, not a million times, probably a half a dozen times. Yeah. Never a single flirtation. So I could absolutely believe that you wouldn't know because you're not the audience for that. No. And I think, you know. Or the proxies. You're not the audience for any of it. So, you know, you hang out with people that want to hang out the way that you want to hang out. So no one's coming to you about, you know, that kind of after office party. Right. And, you know, I, I wish they had if they felt like they needed to. I think we now live in a, you know, there have been enough cultural shifts that it's not only unacceptable, but I think that it's not riddled with the kind of shame and secrecy that it mm-hmm. once was. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think things have really changed for the better. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What is your reaction to morning show? Do you laugh at it? Do you do you like it? Are you, are you really invested in it? I mean, I watched it because I found it fascinating. I mean, it's all, um, you know, it, it it's it's all fiction, um, right? But I think some there are some things about it that I think are really interesting. The the, the sort of, I don't know, the politics weren't that intense. I don't think, but you know, I thought they captured the idea of Matt being a very, well, the Steve Carell character being very mm-hmm. beloved and yet mm-hmm. also very sketchy and shady in terms of the way he conducted himself. You know, that kind of uh, scene in the hotel room after the Las Vegas shooting and how he kind of um, seduced that young young woman and how he abused his power in that way. And... I always was bothered by the callousness uh, that 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 you have to have um, when you're sort of. It's not because you are truly attracted or really want a relationship with the person. It seemed, uh, you know, again, I never really discussed this with Matt, but it seemed sort of cold and transactional. And I guess that's the difference between men and women and how they see sex in relationships. But I always felt like it it wasn't because he was falling in love with someone or was that, you know, unhappily married. And I think it it was something else altogether, which I'll never really understand. Maybe like someone's A, because I can, because I can. You know, some people do things because they can. Um, and... It's right there. They think they're untouchable, right... you know. Yeah, he. I mean, no matter what, in that situation, this was the. This was the. This was. I remember he was beloved. So I bet you there. Yeah, that's true. And like uh, with with professional basketball players, there's a line outside their hotel door. But does that mean that does that give them permission to? No, you know, I know. Does that, a... do, does that mean all those women are there theirs for the taking? You know, Absolutely. like as I, 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 exactly. as I quoted Peter Parker in my book, with great power comes great responsibility. 
And, uh, you know, at some point, yeah, you know, and people still say oh, women were throwing themselves at Matt. And I'm sure that's true. But he, you know, he was the face of a huge, important, you know, money-making venture. And, um, you know, he had an obligation to comport himself with the with a certain degree of of uh dignity and but but then you 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 know think about you juxtapose that with the environment and the culture that existed back then which again I well, wrote about Well because it was allowed it was it was celebrated is what you're saying you're saying it was what the culture was it was accepted and in some quarters encouraged right I even write about how the head of HR at a certain point was stripping some uh you know, associate producer. Oh my God. Wow. That's crazy. That's actually really crazy. Yeah. The rules of the game have changed and, um, you're right. You have to, well, it's so funny. My name, name of my book is literally business is personal because the way you conduct yourself in business should be a reflection of how you conduct yourself in your personal life. I mean, frankly, that's just what it is. Who you are in business is who you are as a person. I don't say, oh, it's not, it's not personal. It's just business, you know, because they're, they, they're, they, the lines are, are totally overlap and blurred. I, I love your perspective on this. I really do. I haven't ever heard it. That's why, I, you know, I'm, I was curious about your perspective on that. And then I won't keep you too much longer. Just, just about, I just want to acknowledge that you've gone through such tremendous loss. I mean, just death is such, I mean, it, it takes such an emotional toll and your whole life path changed for your children, for your next relationship. Um, you know, is it your faith that kind of gets you through something like that? Is that this is your spiritual path? Um, how do you sort of reconcile that? You know, I'm not particularly spiritual. Um, I don't really have a strong faith, even though I like I like going to church because I like the the community of it. I like the rituals. You know, I like that I sing songs that I've been singing since I was a kid going to Sunday school with my dad. Um, I think that, I don't know, maybe a Midwestern pragmatism that I got from my mom, you know, who used to say things like, children will kill you if you let them, you know, and Mm -hmm. she just was very matter of fact. And, you know, shit happens. It's terrible. There's great beauty in this life and great heartache and tragedy. And, you know, I never imagined in a million years that I would be a widow, like that word, it just Mm -hmm. never, you know, I talk about, like, that was Carol Brady and the Brady Bunch. And that was, you know, I just, I just never, ever imagined it. But why wouldn't, you know, it happens to so many people, there's so much suffering, and there's so much sadness. And I think it's made me a much more, I think I was always an empath, but it's made me even more empathetic. And I just think it makes you more appreciative because life is fragile and anything can happen at any time. And I I think that I didn't want Jay's death to kill our entire family. I wanted... Mm. You know, I'm an optimistic person. I'm a person who tries to find joy. I really love my life and love life in general. That sounds so cheesy, but, and I think I just sort of saw it as 
okay, this awful thing happened. I can't believe how much Jay was ripped off. He didn't get to see so many milestones, but I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And Ellie and Carrie are still here. And we're going to have to pick up the pieces and I'm going to have to build a life for these girls and for myself, selfishly. Mm -hmm. And I think I just said, I've got to... I've got to rebuild. And I think that got me through. I didn't want, I didn't want my life destroyed because Jay tragically got cancer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Thomas Jefferson said the earth belongs to the living. And I kept thinking about that. Wow. I mean, you survived something so intense. Well, you know, and I could have thrown in the towel, but instead I thought, you know, I'll always miss Jay and always wonder what our life would have been like had this not happened, but I can't change. I can't change it. So what can, what, what can I control? I can control the way I, I live because I, I couldn't keep him from dying. So I, I think I was just very practical about it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, what about your husband now? Does he ever feel like he's following in footsteps? D- does What's the dynamic with your daughters and your marriage now? I mean, that it, it was a big loss. He, John, it, well, you know, there, I think 14 years passed from the time uh, Jay died to when I got married, remarried. And, um, you know, I am so lucky because John is incredible about Jay. You know, he he understands that Jay will always be a part of my life. He understands that Jay is Ellie and Carrie's dad. He appreciates me honoring him. He never feels resentful about it. He never feels competitive. He's so comfortable in his own skin and so confident mm-hmm. that, you know, he's just the most generous person that way. And I'm so grateful. And you know, he understands there's room in my heart for both of them. And, and I don't know, I feel so lucky that he is so good with who he is and knows, knows how much I love him and how important he is to me and how grateful I am that I finally found somebody who loves me just the way I am, you know? Wow, you have a great relationship. You really, really do. I mean, it's not perfect. He bugs me. I bug him. You know, we laugh mm-hmm. about it. He makes fun of right. me. And, you know, I'm I'm a slob and he's a neat freak. And, you know, he can be a little controlling at times, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just accept each other and 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 just really, you know what? We really enjoy each other. Like I say about John, and I think he's sometimes like, that's what you say about, he's really good company. You know, Uh I enjoy, I enjoy his company. I like being with him. I like, by the way, when I'm not with him too, because I'm a very Mm -hmm. independent person and that's super important, but he has a wonderful family. His father is a doll. He's don't, don't, hopefully he won't listen to this. He just, he's going to be 91. I don't know if he's a fan, but we could we could call him. He's on the line. <laughs> he's very handsy, Bethany, but he's a, <laughs> he's a ski instructor in Aspen. He's hilarious. His mother is wonderful, sophisticated. They're so interesting and interested. Wow. 
And so I, I married into this incredible family and, and Herbie and Paula, John's parents have always made Ellie and Carrie feel like they are their grandchildren. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh my God. I love this. I want to meet everybody. I mean, I've met John it's and so I love nice him. Cause I no longer have my parents and I miss them mm-hmm. so much. But the fact that I'm so blessed to not only have this wonderful person who always has my back, Bethany, that's what you want. You've got to have someone who has your back, mm-hmm. 110%. So he always has my back. And and I've got this extraordinary family. And uh, I'm just so Oh, lucky. I love you. I'm so happy you just said that because Paul's coming from Boston right now. And I'm going to be extra, extra loving because I've just been very centered in Ukraine and sometimes you get a little like self-involved with just something else and I'm going to be very I'm going to pour myself into him tonight well you know I life is so strange you never know what's going to happen and you know I always wanted to write a country song like called if I only knew like Mm. if you had a crystal ball and you could see that maybe someone wasn't going to be in your life as long as you anticipated or hoped would you feel good about how how loving and giving you were when they were around. So I always think about that. Like when people are sick of their husbands or they're driving them crazy (laughs) or something, I always say, you know, remember this person might not be around forever. So just, we all take each other for granted. It's Mm -hmm. so easy. It's so, you know, it's, it's normal in a way, but, but try not to and kind of remember that. All right. Well, I love that. So I just have one more thing. No, I love it. (laughs) Kumbaya. You have to go on the road. You could be like the Tony Robbins of emotional <laughs> wellness. I swear, God, I'm like I almost cried. I don't a few want to take ago. those Jeez. ice baths. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. I talked to Ryan about to Ryan Seacrest about that recently. Um, okay, so just one last thing in your career. This is not your personal family life. Uh, your rose and thorn of your career. Oh, my rose, I guess, would be getting the t- job at the Today Show. Wow. Amazing. Okay. And my thorn would probably be going to CBS. <laughs> okay. Well, very network related. <laughs> but, uh, oh, is did you want it to be professional? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. I'm just saying it's funny. It's like one network to the, you know what I mean? It's so, so on brand for you, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I'm still, like people say, are you sorry you went to CBS? And, you know, there are no guarantees what would have happened if I had stayed at NBC, if I would have been pushed out or if, you know, I would have no longer been the flavor of the month or if the ratings had gone down, they would have panicked and made a change. And, mm-hmm. you know, you never know sort of the road less traveled, what would have happened. But, you know, all in all, I am really glad I went to CBS because I think it was it was an important step. Maybe it wasn't always fun and, you know, um, it was tough internally and externally for me at that at, at that time. But I'm still glad I did it because I think it was the right thing to do. And I hope it, I hope it kind of knocked down a barrier that was helpful to other women after me. Oh, nice. Well, I love you, Katie. You're the greatest. I loved your book. Sold 50 million copies of it already. It is amazing. It is so well written. You're amazing. And you deserve all your success. Thank you, Bethany, for all your support. And I know this is not about you, but thank you for everything (laughs) you're doing. Honestly, you're... You're, you're a force of nature. If you look that up in the dictionary, it has your picture. So. Oh, thanks, Katie. I'm working hard. I'm following in your footsteps. So 
Have a wonderful day and give Molnar a big hug. We'll be able hug. to see each other in person soon. Me too. All right, big kiss to you. Thank you. Katie is so uh, multi-dimensional. She's smart, so accomplished. I mean, she's interviewed presidents. I mean, she, world leaders. I mean, and she just was interviewed by me, which is funny to me. Uh, but she's just like also got that Midwestern mom vibe. She suffered loss. I mean, and terrible, terrible deaths in her life. Um, she's cool. And hokey at the same time. I mean, I just really, and but she, when she speaks, it's so inspirational, and it, it's really you just it's educational in that way. She's emotionally intelligent, which I appreciate. Uh, what a career! What, I mean, she's still going in such a strong and forceful way, but she has had just an extraordinary career. Um, I love talking to her. I love her as a person. She's very supportive. And um, I just an honor to have spoken to her. So I appreciate you all listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, what a wonderful interview. I'm so happy. Just Be is hosted by me, Bethany Frankel. Just Be is a production of Be Real Productions, iHeartRadio, and Blue Duck Media. Our EPs are Morgan Lavoie, Antonio Enriquez, and Kara Hitt. To catch more moments from the show, follow us on Instagram at Just Be with Bethany. 